oh wow who's who's this beautiful bearded man that i see before me it is i jf you know what it's good to see you buddy oh my god it's paul paul in it is how do you like my beard it's pretty it's getting pretty thick actually i in fact i just trimmed it for you buddy because i knew that i might run into you here it's such a special occasion with the trimmed beard and us meeting again after so long i think you and i should have a show Paul, how you doing? I'm doing great, JF. Welcome back to Right Brain. It's good to see you once again, sir. I'm just glad that we both remembered the name of the show and that you saying it right now is not what reminded me of it at all. Well, I had to look it up. Truth That's fine. be told. <laughs> Went on Wikipedia, just typed most popular writing podcast, scrolled yeah. down, figured out we weren't there, then went right. into some notes. Exactly. That's exactly what I did. Uh, so, um, yeah, it's been it's been quite a uh, quite a little while since our last show. I think it was in September. We just completely skipped over October, which was weird because that would have been our one year anniversary. It, yeah, and considering that this is episode number thirty one, ladies and gentlemen, it shows that we have been absolutely consistent in putting exactly one show out every single week for you. Yes, exactly. Um, it's been a it's been a great time. It's been a great year, and uh, I'm actually glad that we are coming back. But for those of you um, joining us, returning to join us, hopefully, uh, we are um, we're gonna do a little little things a little differently, right, JF? Yeah, I mean, let's let's be honest. I don't know about you, and you can you can pipe in with your reasons. But one of the things that kind of took the winds out of our sails is first of all we, we both got super busy you teach oh, yeah, the youth of tomorrow well i guess uh, it's the sure. youth of today which will be the adults of tomorrow because yeah. that's how time semantics works. Yeah. semantics it's fine <laughs> so yeah you you've been busy uh molding the minds of uh of our future leaders while i've been just absolutely just doing nothing and but no, let's not even say that let's not no even i've been i've been i've been hard at work doing uh you know a lot of writing relating st- related stuff like anybody who's kept up with the news knows that i've had stuff happening um which we're going to talk about a little bit at least yeah, but anyway we'll, keep going we'll, we'll, Let, we'll get branch to it. We'll get into to it. it we'll branch into yeah, it we yeah, won't we'll have a choice but <laughs> another, the, the main reason is that the, the the format that we had initially built for right brain kind of didn't work for me anymore. Like it was a lot of very promotional for ink shares and it felt, well, not for ink shares as a company, but for ink shares amongst between us as writers. And I still want to sort of keep doing that, but I want to do it less targeted, like one book at a time. And I want, I, I, I think you agree with me on that, that we want mm-hmm. ink shares to, uh, not ink shares, right brain to be more of a resource for our listeners. Right, right. I mean, there's uh, obviously, you know, ink shares has done. Uh, good things for us and most of the people listening, I'm sure. Uh, so, you know, we, we just want to reach out and try to do things that will be a little bit more, um, you know, helpful to everyone out there. And, and uh, we're going to start that with this episode, episode number 31. Absolutely. But before... And, yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. No, I was, was going to say something stupid, but um, you were going to say something intelligent, so I'm going to oh. let you go first. <laughs> I was just going to say, before we get into that, we do need to touch on the good things that have come to you um, since our last episode. So, uh, Absolutely. You, I, I well, mean... 
one of the things I wanted to clarify before we move on to that, though, is uh, I just want to okay. give like a, a preview of an idea of what we are trying to do with InkShares oh, and def- why it's actually... Well, now, I keep calling our show InkShares with RightBrain. Right See, I told I, it wasn't kidding when I was doing this sarcastic bit about forgetting the name of the of the podcast. <laughs> Apparently not. <laughs> no, I'm sober. I swear, I'm gonna be drunk later though. So, the um, the, the one of the things that I want us to do is f- anybody that knows you and I probably realizes that we're not the 100 best source for advice um, on the internet. Oh, I don't know. Not me. Well, <laughs> no, neither am I. Like. <laughs> I'm a, I mean, I, I don't know if we want to swear, but I, I'm a shit show. I'm, <laughs> like, I'm a walking failure that's just falling backwards into lucky breaks here and there. But I wouldn't go that far. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Self-deprecation will only last so long. I'm trying to enjoy it before while well, I still can. Um, you know what? I'm going to interject real quick. Um, those of you listening at home, if you want to make a drinking game out of uh, JF's... Um, kicking himself while he's not down then go back and listen to the other episodes the old episodes and and be ready because you'll be drinking a lot <laughs> you'll also be dead <laughs> you'll probably be dead yeah so sorry i interrupted so yeah so <laughs> what we're going to try to do is we're going we're going to branch out into different subjects of different things about writing and what we're going to do is bring in some guests uh, both from the inkshares community when we have people coming out with a new book we're going to try to have them on like i i, I know i want to get like people like james stone on like a bit of what we were doing before we sort of went on this long hiatus by having Brian Guthrie talk about his book, we want to have more guests, but we're also going to branch out and bring try to bring in guests who have a certain expertise in different levels of publishing. We're going to try to to, to get people who have different experiences that we in the InkShares ecosystem may not be familiar with, but that we can benefit from. So it's not just our expertise limited as it is that you will be subjected to but we'll actually be getting people that know what they're talking about right because you know our you didn't see jf but he did the air quotes expertise you know so (laughs) but yeah you're definitely right and uh it's going to be a good it's going to be great actually and uh we actually have a few few things already lined up and in the works so we're going to um uh hopefully bring you some really cool surprises over the next little bit and on into the more uh, distant future. So, yeah. But let's jump back. Let's jump back, JF. Um, what happened in your recent past, sir? It's a very important right. thing. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I, I, I know it's not comfortable for you, I, but I mean, I hate talking about myself. Um, but okay. Sure, so sure. For, the, for the 20th time in the past few months. So, anybody's been paying attention, and if you haven't, I don't blame you. Um, recently, the uh, the rights for my next book, A God in the Shed, has been optioned by Skydance by way of Weed Road uh, Productions. Uh, I've been I've had a, a meeting with Akiva Goldsman and his team in Los Angeles a while back over the summer, and they're talking about making a TV show out of my book now calm down none of this means that it's actually happening it just means it's looking kind of good and with someone with akiva goldsman's background and and uh clout sort of i don't know shepherding the project it has more chances that if it was just some random option that's super intimidating and it has certain repercussions towards what we're going to be talking about uh, congrats. Thanks. I am not. The, the, the funny thing is, like, I don't know what any of this actually means because it has had no 
actual repercussions on my life. Apart from how it influences the development of God in the Shed going forward, it hasn't, it's not like no one's driven a truckload of money into my door. I haven't been flown out to Hollywood to head a writing room. Like nothing in my day to day has changed. It's just one day you are told this news out of nowhere, by the way. You spend an entire evening retweeting it and helping, you know, spread the word because it's good SEO or something. And the next day you wake up and you have to kind of remind yourself that it happened and then you go to work and it's a normal day and everything's back to how it was. It's it's very bizarre. It is very bizarre, but it's also very good for you because, you know, you've got something kind of sort of at least under your belt now. And uh, if if it pans out in a, and there is a TV show in the future, then, um, you know, it puts you in a good position for the next thing and the next thing and the next thing, you know, which Absolutely. also and- is good for those of us on um, on the uh, Inkshares um, publishing in the publishing company, um, because you know that that just turns more heads in our direction. Doesn't make any guarantees or anything. I mean, nobody's well, picking up Ageless, you know what I'm saying? But <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, it's great though for for all of us. They may not pick up Ageless, but they may pick up the next thing. That, that's the thing. That's like right. uh, that's right. one one of the things that I I'm discovering is that there is a lot of eyes looking at a lot of things on Inkshares, and most of the people that are having their books looked at don't know about it. It's it's kind of a weird thing because like you people may be looking at Ageless right now and discussing it, and you wouldn't know until something at least slightly more concrete actually happens. So oh, yeah, yeah. Definitely. Like, on, in, on one hand, you can't sort of make give yourself false hopes, but at the same time, you can't sort of assume that you're not being considered at all. Like you have to accept that this is something that you don't know. And right. it's terrifying, really. It really is. But hey, man, that's fantastic for you. It really is. And um, uh, I actually cannot wait because I really enjoyed what I've read of um, A God in the Shed. But here's the part where you're going to tell me that it's completely changed, right? Because I'm pretty sure, in fact, I got a little inside knowledge that a lot of it is changing and has changed, which actually kind of is a great segue into our topic this week, which JF, as you know, is editing. Yes. So we're going to. I know to, it uh, because I picked it. There you go. There you go. I just sat here and hit um, record when it was time. That's all I did. It's so, true. It's, uh, but, but I need you to do that because yes. buttons confuse me. Well, yeah, and and you're a writer, buddy. So there's a lot of buttons in your future, you know. So um, yeah, we're going to talk about editing, and and uh, you know, right now for you, that's a that's you're in a big stage, and it's an important stage because of the uh, attention that. A God in the Shed has received. Um, for me, uh, I'll have to call back on my experiences. Uh, at this point, it's been a year A year ago now, I was really like finishing my really heavy edits, you know, so I'll have to um, call back some of that stuff, but I'm pretty old, so I probably forgot a lot. <laughs> that should we'll be see. interesting. There'll be a lot we'll- about kids on your lawn and you having to yell at them for some reason. Also, well, probably I mean- something about old lady candy or whatever. Yeah, hard candy. You want a hard candy? <laughs> oh, Actually, I kind of do. Yeah, I was gonna say you, you're over there like munching on Skittles earlier. Leaving I me don't in the dark. eat the Skittles during the shows. You don't. I do appreciate that, but no, it's I'm, always the look, pre-show. Look, the Paul, prep. I'm pro. <laughs> I I have a microphone on an arm with like 
a stand and everything. I mean, and I, it, it lights up too. It's it, got a light. It's it's it lights great. up. I've got two cameras up. Like no one can appreciate from just the audio recording the amount of effort I put into sort of balancing out how terrible my voice is by having part, gadgets. The best part is your two cameras set up for our show that is only audio. That's the best part. <laughs> it amuses me. Like I, I record three shows. None of them are video. <laughs> One of them, we don't even use the camera because my co-hosts are not confident in their, um, in, in their internet and they don't want to use the bandwidth. That's kind of hilarious. <laughs> it's, it's great. And I do a lot of camera switching during that show just to keep myself busy. So <laughs> you see what I deal with now, folks. <laughs> uh, back to the it's back great. to the it's subject great. at hand. It's great. Back to the subject at hand. So oh, I um, miss recording this. <laughs> me, um, me too. Actually, uh, what? Uh, let's start with yours because again, I've got to actually try to think about this a little bit because uh, newsflash: <laughs> well, I just found out it was editing about five minutes ago. So, and we've actually been on now for about thirteen. So that was that was weird five minutes ago. So anyway, you're um, you're, you're exaggerating, but I, I appreciate yes, the I humor am. that you inject into uh, into the proceedings. Um, so <laughs> here's the thing: we're going to talk mostly about developmental edits because anybody that's read what I do knows that I have no clue about line edits uh i don't write well i um yeah. i write fancy what I, what I like to say is that i write fancy bad things that people make uh keep fancy but they make it good um yeah. I'm, I'm i don't know down with that <laughs> aren't you a teacher <laughs> yeah yes oh yeah oh yeah but i teach music we don't ever have to do anything like that oh, okay got it I if they write their that. music badly then i guess i you know fix it but so for, for those who may not be super comfortable with the concept, uh, developmental edits is when you sit down with, um, and sit down is a metaphor in this case, but basically you sit down with an editor, uh, someone who reads your book, hopefully tries to understand the book and what you're trying to do with it, and corrects it. Um, but what they try to fix is not like grammar, punctuation, like they'll inject some of that because it's kind of part of their DNA. But they'll mostly be concentrating on fixing your story, which when you hear fixing your story or to any creative fixing your art sounds terrifying. Yeah, I, well, yeah, the hair on the back of your neck stands up, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. How could anybody fix what I do? And I know, exactly. The, the, I, I, was this your first time dealing with an editor, with a developmental editor? It was in this, um, like, uh, at this scope. I mean, I've had I've had people read stuff that I've written, which was, you know, short things, you know, and, and, and help out with it. And that's really what I would like, rather than say fixing, I'd say that their, their job is to help, like, mold the story. It's kind of like you present, like, a big uh, piece of clay, and you're like, it's a bowl. And they're like, okay, it sort of looks like a bowl, but, like... If you round this out here, and if you make that there, then your bowl will be better. So I, I think their job is is not fixing per se, but more more like a um, uh, cra helping craft and and uh, pull out what you really are trying to say. For me, anyway, that was what it was. It was more of like, okay, I know what's supposed to be going on here, but it it, it kind of needs a little tweaking, and then people will understand it better. That kind of stuff, you know. Yeah, no, it's 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 a good description. See what you just described to me is fixing. I can tell you they fix what I do. Mostly okay. uh, pick up like continuity errors, things like that that oh, yeah. are, are are huge bother. Um, I've had very mixed experiences with developmental editors. I've worked with 
this is my fourth developmental editor that I'm oh, working okay. with so cool. far. Um, the first one was a friend of mine called Megan, who is just the absolute best person in the world, who helped me. Uh, she did developmental edits, and she's a professional editor. She knows what she's doing, but she has this flaw where she's a friend. Um, uh, and also, friend. she was doing it for free. So, obviously, you can't demand too much from someone doing something pro bono. And uh, being right. a friend, it's not that I don't trust her judgment, but anybody that knows me a little knows that I'm a, a fragile little snowflake of a creature, <laughs> and my ego is like a piece of crystal that you do not want to drop. So um, I, I suspect that she might have been a little easy on me. Well, that's what happens when you go double Fs, friend and free. Mm, you know? Yes, the, the yeah. double Fs. Like it's, the dreaded uh, double F. Yeah, it's... it's uh, <laughs> There's another double F expression, but <laughs> although I did say the S word earlier, I cannot say this one. No, you cannot. Let's, let's pretend oh, it's God. Fantastic Four and move there on. Go. There you go. <laughs> oh, <laughs> man, I cracked myself up on that one. <laughs> <laughs> A journey through your imagination. Yes, yes. So my second developmental editor was someone who I shall not name, very sweet person, offered to do dev edits for me for free, was horrible. Um, did oh, not understand the book, did not want to understand the book, wanted to fix things that weren't broken and break things that were that didn't need to be fixed. Just someone who wanted to make the book her own in a, a very real way and she she basically she did a pass at uh she did a pass at life engineered and it was a terrible experience and this has made me very skittish working with editors um until i worked with my third editor which was cleet smith from girlfriday production who is absolutely amazing to work with like the pages on my manuscript were red with comments. There was a lot of things to fix, but none of the fixes made me feel as if the editor was trying to reshape what I was trying to do. And that was right. extremely reassuring. And to me, and I maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Call me out if I'm wrong, Paul. You're you're a smart guy. To me, that was a sign of a good editor. I agree with that, actually. I agree. Totally agree because in my experience, my my experience was more like uh, what you said. He didn't do where it was try to reshape the story. Now, admittedly, and I am I have no problem admitting this, but Ageless is not the easiest book to read because of the nonlinear aspects. Okay, no. If, um, if we can pull back the curtain on something, I wrote the blurb, uh, one of the cover blurbs for Ageless, right? And one of the words I had used in the original version was that it was a challenging read, but worth it. And I was told not to use it because it sounded too negative. To me, that was a positive. But I understood, right, right. like, from marketing stance, using the word challenging can be a, a bit of a put-off for a new author. Definitely. Um, but Ageless, I still see it as something that is, it is one of those books that you, I mean, we've made the joke before. It's, it's, it's a book that you either read in one sitting or read with a, with a notepad because right, it's, right, going, yeah. it's going to ask you to, to use your brain. Right, and I and uh, being someone who never had any experience in this, uh, more than just a, a little bit of short writings here and there, uh, th I wrote what I wanted to read. I mean, and that's what it really comes down to for me when I'm creating anything, whether it's music or um, writing or anything. Like you know, I do a lot of video work. I just do what I want to to see or hear or or read, and. 
when I got done, I was satisfied because I like to read things that make me think. You know, I like to I like to watch TV shows or movies or whatever that 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 like keep my mind engaged. You know what I mean? So I think that's it's uh for me that's a good thing. But anyway, back to what I was saying, my development or developmental editor. I think that she was a great developmental editor. And uh, I can say her name. I mean, I'm not going to say anything negative about her, but she does work for Girl Friday Productions. And uh, I just don't think that maybe she was quite on the same page as I was in 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 a what I wanted to say. This, yeah, exactly. Um, I didn't want to, uh, I mean, what I was trying to accomplish. Now, she did tell me something that uh, as I look back, um, I feel that she was probably at least partially correct. Um because I've never written a full, huge book before, um, the actual act of storytelling is something uh, uh, that, you know, you have to build to a climax, and then you have, you know, your rev- resolution, et cetera, et cetera, right? Well, the way that Ageless is told, it doesn't necessarily function like a, like a uh, kind of a normal um, story because of the nonlinear. So the the there wasn't a lot of building and climax and resolution like like a normal um story would have you know there's like it didn't go a b c and then finish off with d you know so i mean i i agree with her to the extent of that that probably i don't want to say hurt the book i hope it didn't hurt the book but uh i I agree that it, it maybe like uh made it a little bit difficult for some people but with all that said the overwhelming amount of the reviews uh, from people that I don't know that thought it was good and they they followed it. You know, there's there's a lot. There are some that are bad, but there's always going to be. You know, well, if I can just pull back, like my impression of Ageless is that because of its complexity and and because of the nature of the book being kind of non traditional storytelling, and we'll, we'll get back to editing in a second. I just want I was just want to like uh, shore up uh, Paul's ego a little. It's, <laughs> Ageless is going to be a really amazing discovery for people going into your back catalog when you're on your third or fourth book. Yeah. It's it's going to be one of these things where as as you get more known and people are more comfortable reading material from you, they're mm-hmm. going to go back to Ageless and say, oh, that was his first book? Damn. And and probably be very impressed. Probably a bit more impressed than when they, uh, they, 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 they read a, a gruesome horror story and then they read a, a book about robots that happens to be an analogy about motherhood. Um, in my back catalog, they're going to go, what happened? They're going to so, say, wow, motherhood? Really? Well, you've read Life Engineered. Oh, I love Life Engineered. It's a great book, man. It really, truly is. I love it. Uh, in fact, it was the first. Wait, hold on. I don't want to lie. It was the second Ink Shares book that I read. The second Ink Shares. Third. First one was Ageless. No, well, yeah, no. <laughs> but I think it was the third, actually. Although I did, I never finished my first book. Not because I didn't want to. I just got busy, and then I started reading a different book, and it kind of, kind of got put on the, put to the side. Although I do need to finish it because I liked it. It just, I don't know. Anyway, um, you know, I don't. I don't know, man. I, I Ageless is definitely a great book. I definitely think that uh, there are some flaws, but um, it's the f- my first attempt, and I'm happy no, with it. I'm happy you, with you, it. You'd be an idiot to think that your first book doesn't have any flaws. To, to be oh, honest, yeah. like anybody listening, I, I, I'm, this is me turning a new leaf and being brutally honest. If you think your <laughs> your first book that you're now publishing with Ink Shares is absolutely flawless, you're a moron. You you absolutely you need to reevaluate that aspect of your life and. And because because here's the thing, if you think your first book is perfect, that means you don't believe that you will improve. 
And that that as uh, when it comes to the art, the moment you don't think you can improve anymore, you're done. You've absolutely failed at doing art because art is about improvement. Um, now that I've stepped on my soapbox, I'm I have a question for you, Paul. <laughs> okay. So. Shoot. One of the more difficult part of the editing process is when the editor comes to you with a note and says, do this thing. And there are certain situations where you'll go, yeah, I, of course I'll do that. If I don't do that, it's bad. Because there are some, a lot of these notes are actually very clearly to improve the book. But once right, in a while, and they're you, obvious. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but once in a while, you'll encounter a note that either you don't understand or disagree with. How, how did you deal with that? How did you approach that, that situation? Well, I'm glad that you asked that, and, I, and I've talked about this before, um, but I'll mention it again um, briefly. Um, the biggest note that I did not agree with and that I actually did not end up changing it is um, my, my developmental editor asked me to, uh, to restructure the story to be linear. And for me... At first, I mean, it's like we were talking about before. Like, if somebody comes to you and says that your thing needs to be fixed because of A, B, and C, that's difficult as a creative person, or at least for me, it's difficult. Um, I look at it and I go, what? You're crazy. This is the way it is, and it's never going to be um, a different way because blah, blah, blah. You know, the initial reaction is like, um, you, you know, I, I, I... Let me see how I'm going to put this. My wife's a great... You the man to tell you how it yeah. is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, my wife, um, she actually knows exactly everything that uh, I'm going to talk about here because I am the type of person who I have to sit on the notes for a day or two. Um, I'm not just, I, I don't know why, but my mind does not work. I read a note and it's like, make your story linear. And I don't go, hmm, that that might that might be a good idea. I fly off the handle for a couple of hours and then for a couple of days I sulk. And uh, after that, I really start going, let me think about this like a reasonable human being, now that I've thrown my tantrum. And um, then I started thinking about it, and I was like, you know what, I'm going to try to put this in uh, chronological order. And I actually have a version saved uh, somewhere that it is ageless in chronological order. Like, I just took the chapters and rearranged them just so I could read through it and see what it felt like. And after I did that, I was like, you know what, no, because for me... The nonlinear storytelling was uh, part of the story, almost as as important as any of the characters. It was, it was ageless. It was part of the way that it needed to be because for me, um, as the author, I wanted it to be that way so you could sort of relate to what it would be like to have to go through all these different time periods like the main character, live through this certain amount of time and never really be at least physically different. Um, uh, over the course of the book, I mean, she does age, obviously. Uh, the main character, Alessandra, ages. Which um, means that the book is just a lie. For anybody like listening that hasn't right. read, read Ageless, <laughs> it's it's a complete deception. You've been... It's it's a hoodwink. It's yeah. Paul is uh, is a con man. Well, she ages in her, her mind, like her mind ages. Like, so, for example, she might be... I don't know, 20 in her mind, but her body still looks like eight or nine years old. You see what I'm saying? So physically is where the, the, uh, um, physically is where she doesn't do lots of changing. Although now that I say that I'm, I'm lying again. Maybe you're right, JF. Maybe you're right. Uh, but so for me, that was, it was really difficult for me at first to really like 
come at that that note because that particular note was obviously the biggest thing where she was like, you know, you might want to consider um, rewriting the whole story, basically. And it, the rewriting of the story wasn't a big deal because really it would just be reworking um, and re uh, and figuring out some things and plugging in some missing pieces here and there. So that wasn't a big deal. But I just didn't feel like that uh, Ageless needed that. I don't, I don't know. I mean, time will tell, I guess. You know, I like not not to stay too much on Ageless, but I I think you're right in the sense that the the idea of the lack of chronology as a certain element to the book that. It's it's kind of fits with the hook of it being quote unquote ageless that it's right. the 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 actual years they don't matter as much as the event and it's 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 a bit of a gimmick in a way to sort of force you into the psychology so I agree I agree with you that it is an integral part of the book and sort of needed to be there but I understand where the editor is coming from because so do I it's kind of part of the editor's job to because. You, one of the things that you say a lot, and I'm pretty sure most of us say a lot, is we start a description of our work by saying these two words, to me. Right, right, right. Like, to me, the book is. To me, the story is. Which is great if you're writing as a hobby. But the moment you're starting to deal with a professional developmental editor, you're not writing to me. Obviously, you're still like your vision and what your like your tone and your style are extremely important and are crucial. They're the backbone of what makes your writing different. But you, the the the, the job of development developmental editor, the dev editor. <laughs> there you go. There we go. So <laughs> the job of the dev editor is to essentially be the uh, the reader's eyes in a way. It's to reconcile. The to me and to the readers, so right. that and it I, I matches totally agree. and works together. So her concern was probably, well, okay, well, this is this is this guy's first book, and this is uh, this is a, a sort of hefty, heavy book in a way. Um, how does a reader see this? Like, how do they approach it? And I, I, I think you made the, the right decision. Like, I think in the, like I said, like I think in the long term, it's going to pay off. Um, but I can totally see why, where she was coming from with it. Well, I, I absolutely can too. And that's why, that's what I was kind of saying before was like, I, I made, I made a decision from what I thought that would be the best for this particular story. And with that said, you know, I'm working, it's, it's November. So everybody's writing their novels right now. Right. Or in your case, editing, um, are you writing something new? Uh, never mind. Let's not get into that now. But anyway, as I was saying, um, it's November and everybody's writing novels. Um, I'm working on this uh, spoiler, the sequel to Ageless. I guess it's not a spoiler anymore. No, so my we, books, everybody my book's knows been out for months. Come on, months. We've it's been out for months. Yeah. So um, I'm working on the sequel, and strangely enough, I don't feel like the sequel needs to be nonlinear. Although uh, structurally, some things will overlap. So it's not as as crazy as ageless ageless was like jumping from the past to the future to the present or reasonable present and uh back to the past back to the future uh eh, huh i didn't mean to say back to the future <laughs> let's, just, let's just gloss over <laughs> things that are getting going. heavy over here okay so um this book is a little bit more in a uh a linear timeline but as i said some things will overlap just because we need to get what happened a little bit, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And uh, so I'm just working through that, and uh, I've been doing pretty good. I'm not officially, like, joined into the uh, NaNoWriMo 
uh, cult or whatever. You know, they didn't give me a hat, a f- fancy hat or anything, but I'm just riding on my own just they to see what I can do. didn't sort you into one of the houses? And no, I wasn't so sorted. You have no. to drink the blood and no, none no, of that? Mm, no. Right. No, I didn't want to wear the robes, so, mm. you know. <laughs> That's too bad. They're fancy robes. Um, I'm, I'm doing... I. On my end, I am doing NaNoWriMo. I've, I've, uh, the, the weird thing is, uh, NaNoWriMo, for those who don't know, is the National Novel Writing Month. It's, uh, no, it's for the month of November, and you, the challenge is to write 50,000 words in one month. Uh, it averages to about 1,667 words a day, and I've been doing that pretty consistently for almost six to eight months. So NaNoWriMo has lost a bit of its luster in that sense that it's not like for me to decide I'm going to take a month and just write consistently the number of words required for NaNoWriMo is no longer as big a deal as it was. But NaNoWriMo is still kind of my Christmas because I get to go see other writers and ignore them at cafes. It's, it's a good time. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, the, I'm just the worst for that. Um, but I have been using the Naraimo as kind of like the, the 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 structure to do my edits, because right now I'm doing a bunch of edits. I'm working with a new editor at Inkshares. Inkshares has editors now, for those who don't know. Um, oh, cool. Yeah, it's it's neat. I, I like the way I like where it's, the things are going. It's gonna be it's, it's it's kind of exciting. Well, I kind of knew it was in the works. Um, uh, back at uh, oh, what's that thing I went to in in San Diego Comic Con? Comic Con. Um, yeah. yeah, I was I was uh. I was there with some of the people, and they were talking, and I heard things. Mm-hmm. Now, then um, I, kept, I kept the secrets, but then I kept the secrets. <laughs> yeah, well, that you should. Um, <laughs> I don't know if I'm officially supposed to say it, but I said it, so whatever. Um, that shares, will be redacted, just so No, you know. Ink shares can slap <laughs> me on the wrist if I spoke out of turn, but I, I personally feel it's such a positive development. I don't see anything wrong with talking about it. So I'm working with a new editor, but that editor is also working with if working with Adam from Inkshares and working with uh, two more people from uh, Weed Road. So there's a lot of notes being funneled through that editor. And he is asking some hefty changes. And changes of almost the, 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 the importance of the restructuring that your editor was talking about. Right. Which... I'm happy to say that it didn't really phase me as much as well, you that's expect. Because I'm I'm from like I'm very lucky when it comes to taking notes in the sense that my career has been as a graphic designer and now I'm a marketing director. I've been taking comments from employers and clients for 20 years. I've been an art director, so I've had to give notes to artists. So I've kind of been on both sides of the fence and I've developed sort of my own techniques on how to deal with notes and commentaries. And as long as things make sense, and I, I guess as any writer, that's the first thing you should look at. It's not, do I agree with this note? Does this note make me happy or unhappy? Your reaction to the notes that you got, like taking like 24 hours to just breathe and, you know, be zen about it just let it absorb is the right reaction like one of my oh, friends definitely one of my definitely. friends once described to me uh that getting uh getting notes is uh we were talking mostly about graphic design and he was talking about video editing is getting notes on one of your projects is like reading the comments on youtube like you need to before you it's, it's comments it's youtube comments that you need to reply to 
So before you reply to any of them, you need to take 24 hours to just choose the ones to react to and how you're going to react to make sure that you're not doing it the wrong way, that you're not reacting emotionally. Right. And that's that's what I was getting at. I let my emotions come out, even though I knew I wasn't going to act on them. And mm-hmm. I gave it a few days. And then when I was sensible again, I was really like, okay, let's check this out. You know, mm-hmm. But most notes weren't didn't make me feel that way. Okay. Most notes are good and constructive and they do better your um, your product or whatever, however you want to think of it, you know. Absolutely. And here's one of the things, because I do like I do encounter some notes that I disagree with. Mm-hmm. And I've had to sort of go back to my to to because I, I I talk to a lot of people who like who who are writing books and dealing with editors like both on self publishing and a few people on Ink Shares, and I've noticed that I seem to have an easier time and I've I've attributed it to the fact that I have a background in arts where I've had to deal with clients that will ask for the stupidest things. Anybody that knows a graphic designer, graphic designers are extremely cynical about clients. Because clients tend to ask for very, very weird things. But once you've interacted with clients long enough, you sort of realize that there is, there's a way to, to, to go through this interaction in a positive way. And I've, I figured out, like I decided that the reason why I don't get as frustrated about editing as most people do is because I'm bringing that same approach. So I want to like I've I've already written about this in other places, but I sort of want to give you the insight of what goes through my mind and how I deal with editors or just clients anyway. Any any kind of notes that I receive, whether I'm designing a logo or writing a book, that has been useful to me. And I, I'm not saying it's going to work for everybody because I don't know. I'm not everybody. So here's the thing that happens. <laughs> so. The thing that happens when, when I receive a note is, and this is something that you really learn when you're dealing with a paying, paying client, that you can't just turn around, flip off, drop mic, and leave. Um, when you're dealing with a client that is paying you uh, $100, $150 an hour to do something, you tend to want to make him happy. But at the same time, you want to protect your portfolio. So there's this kind of balance where you want to do a good product, but you don't want to go against the client's wishes. And the best way to do that isn't to challenge the the, the, the client, but to question him. Um, one of the things, one of the most powerful things that I've learned taking management classes is the power of the open-ended question. Asking questions that are, have don't have a yes or a no answer, but act, allow you to drill down to the reason why something is the way it is. So let's say I have a client that says, I want my logo to be blue. And you as a designer know that you shouldn't be blue because all his competitors are blue. Your question is not, no, all your competitors are blue. You can't have it blue. That will just anger the client. It's not, it's just not a good way to interpret it. Like you give your reason and some clients will say, okay, that makes sense. But the client's still not happy about why you're doing it. The question is to ask, why do you want it blue? And if an editor asks you to change something, like in the case for, I'll give an example. It's not a real example because it's not a change I've actually questioned. But one of the changes for Gun the Shed is we're going from a dozen different points of view from the narrative to and bringing it down to about three or four character point of views. And... My first question for that, and I did ask a question, even though I agreed, I asked, so why? 
Why do you want to do this? And the answer is obviously less confusion for a reader, et cetera, et cetera. But even if I wanted to keep all these characters, knowing why he wants to do this allows me to have, actually, I have the materials, the information necessary so that I can offer an alternative. Let's say I want to keep all these characters, all these points of views. I can offer an alternative say, okay, you think it's going to confuse people. Well, is there a way that we can put these point of view in an order where I keep all the point of views, but the order of them makes it clearer? Like basically sort of create a discussion have the notes be more of a dialogue, less than just do this. Yes. No. Does that make sense? Probably that makes. Yeah, no, that makes sense. In fact, I was, uh, while you're talking about, it, I was thinking, um, that's a uh, kind of like how we handle, teaching the the future of a of you know America future leaders here. of the world future leaders of the world um we kind of we want them to learn how to think critically okay and so that's a great example of thinking critically like instead of just uh saying i don't agree and blah 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 you have to get these open ended questions so you can figure out you can have the per, the um the editor or whoever you know your client or whatever figure out um, you can work together to figure out uh, some reasonable either compromise or um, you can get what you want eventually or whatever. I mean, compromise is usually the, the final outcome. But the, cr- the critical thinking skills in order to do that is necessary. You know, you, you have to really, like, be open-ended and be flexible and try to explain you know, get the explanation of what they mean or explain what you mean in a, in a, uh, a clear way, I guess maybe is what I'm saying. Yeah. It's, it's, if, if you figure out that you have an editor that you can work with and you're capable of keeping in mind that this is not someone who's critiquing your work and it's not someone who's evaluating and judging your work, but rather it's look at this, look at it, this way, if it, think of it as a, another part of your brain that you're attaching to a brain, like an auxiliary brain, an external point of view brain that you're attaching it to your own. So like a right brain? Yes. <laughs> That's terrible. Trademark. <laughs> no, but if it's, it's not just a team member, but it's really someone that, that is you're, you're, you're having collaborate on a creative work and you need to allow that person to sort of integrate to that level because you're having them influence something that is clearly close to your heart. So you need to both give them access, but also question why they're doing things. It's, it's a very difficult equilibrium that I, I feel very fortunate that I seem to be dancing into easily for now. But every time someone says, JF, we're going to give you a new editor, chills go up my spine. Uh, is that good chills or bad chills? Terror. Just absolute abject terror. When when uh, when Inkshares told me, because at first they said, oh, we're going to have you work with Cleese Smith again. I was ecstatic because I know the guy. It was very reassuring, comfortable, familiar territory. And when he said, oh, yeah, um, we're changing that, um, I was I was not happy about it. Like I had to take my own twenty four hours to think. How do I feel about this? Because right, right. it's it's it, there's there's a certain intimacy to having someone work with you so closely and allowing someone in your creative bubble to learn all the secrets behind your book and then manipulate those secrets in a certain way. Right when they pull the pull the warm blanket away, you know it's 
you're you're metaphorically naked there, you know. Yeah, what I'm saying? and then a stranger crawls in and he's naked Ex- too. It's <laughs> it just weird. got weird, Jeff. <laughs> it just got really weird. Actually, I'm kind of like I'm I'm on board again. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. And I you know, I don't know. you got anything else to talk about, Jeff, because I think that's a great place to stop this week. It's a great place to stop. <laughs> One of the things, like this is obviously a very, very this is a, a scene from the point of view of two guys who haven't gone through the editing process a million times. And I just wanted this to be kind of like our intro exploration to different subjects. But eventually I'd like to actually, I'm, g- I'm going to see if I can get my editor to come as a guest at some point and give his point of view. He's also a writer. He's a, he's actually an Inkshares writer. He's, he's a really cool guy. I was very reassured by him uh, when, when we talked uh, on the phone. So I'm, I'm, I'm not promising that I'm going to get him, but I'd like to get an editor to come and give their side of the story, defend themselves, if you will. Yeah, that's actually a great idea. So, uh, JF, that's going to wrap up episode number 31. Mm. Uh, Before we get out of here, people can follow you on the internets, is what I hear. Yeah, if they go to jfdubo.com, that's jfdubeau.com, or follow me on Twitter, at jfdubeau, that's usually where stuff is happening. This is where I announce, like, all my big Hollywood deals. (laughs) Yeah, Um, so that's why Twitter's been pretty quiet lately. It's been super quiet. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> how Plus about you Paul? NaNoWriMo. you, you, uh, you when okay first of all when are you going to do something with timeless are you are you funding that on ink shares are you is, undecided no it is actually not funding at least not currently funding okay um, where, it is where can people draft, follow you so that they'll know draft, when you announce that well you can um you can definitely find it on ink shares in the ideas uh page pages ideas um so if you want to follow that i don't know if you're following it actually but if you're not please follow it um you can uh follow that there you can find me at paul inman sc.com p-a-u-l-i-n-m-a-n-s-c.com that's my website or on twitter at paul inman sc or instagram at paul inman sc um you kind of get the the idea here right so um yeah, definitely follow uh, Right Brain as well. We we have a uh, Twitter. It's at Right Brain underscore. Follow us on there. We occasionally um, put episodes out or whatever. You know, if you want. If well, you wanna... I know we've been we've been making this promise for forever now, but we're going to try to be on a. Now that we've got a, a smaller format, there's slightly shorter shows, shows that don't require the same amount of preparation or actually kind of a different kind of preparation. I think we'll be able to be uh, more regular and do this weekly. Right. Or it could be just our thing, like our, our, our thing. Like, oh, right, Brain, they're telling us they're going to be on every week oh, again. Oh, God, no. I, I, I really oh, want right, to get brain. on the regular schedule because I, I think our <laughs> listeners deserve that. I do, um, too, actually. I totally agree. We can agree with every part of that except for... When it's time to record, we're like, "You ready?" Oh, I'm. I got this thing, and then I'm like, "Oh, I got this thing." Yeah, you know what I'm saying. No, we're, we're you gonna, guys we're, out there. You know, you guys yeah. know. We're gonna fix that. Um, one <laughs> yes, last thing we before we, we we go off: if any of you guys have ideas about subjects that you want us to talk about, uh, guests that or not necessarily guests as in specific individuals, but types of guests that you think we should interview, mm-hmm. drop us a note, send us an email. Uh, you can send me an email at jeffdubo1976 at gmail.com, um, or you can contact to the, the Right Brain Twitter account, or you can contact any of us on Twitter. Um, we're, this, we're not going to restructure the, the show all the time. This is really the direction I think we want to go to, but we want right. more interaction with you, the listener. Yep, definitely. And um, JF will give you free stuff. If you, uh, you know, contact him. Right, JF? I'll let them in uh, under my blanket. 
Uh, oh man, and that's all. That's it. I can't. I we gotta go, Jeff. Jeff go. out. <laughs>